Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 88. In today's episode, I interview international strongman star, Dane Wallace. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to learn Dane's favorite book and what he takes from it, how to be one of the strongest people in the world, and of course, why you must ask the right questions. Alrighty guys, another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today, I have Dane Wallace. Dane, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. <laughs> 10 sentences or less. Well, uh, I'm, I'm known to talk a bit, Nick. <laughs> hey, go for it. That, that's what it's all about. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, I went to, uh, I mean, this would go way back to when I was a kid probably, and I was, I was the chubby kid. So uh, one day I was just like, you know, mom, like I'm being teased at school. Now how can I not be teased at school? What do I do? So just started looking at my food and then I started doing, you know, push-ups and sit-ups every night. And this was when I was 12 years old. <laughs> um, started running at the track. My mom would wake up at, you know, 6 a.m. and go running with me every morning. And she nice. wasn't in fitness at all. Uh, so it just kind of started there and I went into kinesiology in undergrad and uh, really learned a lot more about the human body and everything just kind of snowballed from there. So, I mean, besides that, that uh, maybe start at 12 years old, what have been some of the other big highlights or big changes that you've made uh, coming up until present day? Well, what's really interesting is that I never, I never went to the gym before I was 20, 21. Um, and here I am at 33 and I'm, you know, one of the, one of the strongest guys in the world at my weight. Uh, so it's never too late, you know, never too late to, to get started on your journey. You know, I never, gym, going to the gym was never a thing that I thought I'd be interested in. I played, you know, tennis and golf and soccer and, you know, all these non-contact sports growing up and wasn't really into strength until, you know, you meet a few guys in uh, university who lift weights and say, hey man, you should do that. And you just start opening your mind a little bit saying, yeah, I'll try something new. I'll try something new. And who knows what will end up. So, uh, you know, it's just the friends that I made in undergrad and it just started with, you know, let's 
let's go from being a 130 pound guy and see if I can pack a little bit of muscle on my body. And then it was like, well, you guys competing strong, man. Maybe that looks like fun. Maybe I'll start playing with that. And, and yeah, so it's just, I've made a lot of great friends along the way who have impacted me in the ways that uh, I've developed into the person who I am now. So, Any specific uh, mentors or coaches along the way that you, you want to even just share about like what they really were able to do for you? Uh, well, I guess my buddy, uh, my buddy Jordan Foley, he's now the strength and conditioning coach for the football team at, uh, uh, the Guelph university here in Ontario, up in Canada. Uh, he was definitely the guy who kind of got me into lifting serious weights in terms of being heavy. And I learned a lot from him in terms of my strength background. Um, and, and it's funny cause growing up, I never really had a huge hero or a huge mentor. That wasn't really it. I was always kind of encouraged to, blaze my own trail and, you know, do my own thing. And so I've never really been into the whole, you know, man worship or mentor or any of that kind of stuff. So I honestly wouldn't say that there are any, there's any one person who's really had a massive influence on who I am. I like to take an objective look at what different people say and say, okay, how does that apply directly to me? You know, it is that something that fits within my context of who I am and what I'm trying to accomplish. And that's the kind of approach that I take with both myself and with a lot of my clients. It's really to get them to focus on that, which is, you know, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of people who are, you know, good people, great people, smart people, but is what they're talking about really applicable to you and where you're trying to go. So said a couple things in there that I want to touch on for sure. But one of the things, like you said, when you're working with clients and I'm, I'm curious about, you said, and this is something that like I found with some of your stuff is you don't get the right answer without asking the right question. What does that really mean for you? <laughs> well, it's just funny because as a, as a nutrition coach, you know, I have a lot of people who reach out to me, you know, all strangers reach out to me online, whether it's to work with me or just to ask me questions about, you know, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And, you know, I can always say, well, you know, in a bubble, in a vacuum, this is fantastic advice. Like this is scientifically correct, you know, or, you know, this has been proven to work for X, Y, Z. But <laughs> with that being said, who are you? Like, you know, where, where do you come from? What are your genetics? What, you know, how do you live your life? How have you lived your life? What are your goals you want to accomplish? Where are you now? You know, and then you can start saying, it's just getting people to think about things in, in a different way that they've never thought about it before. A lot of us think, okay, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. And I've heard that X diet worked for my friend Susan. So now I'm going to ask Susan, where'd you get that? And how do you do it? And then I'm going to take her word for it and just go with it and run with it and see if it works for me. And then most people will do that. And then if it works, it works and it's awesome. It's the best thing ever. And I'm going to tell everyone if it didn't, oh, well, that doesn't work. I don't know what Susan was talking about. That's crazy, right? <laughs> So it's, it's really just getting, getting people to you know, think about things in a, in a little bit different way. So when they come to me with questions, I go back to them with questions. It's not necessarily just explaining you know, what they want to hear. It's saying, okay, yes, here's the answer, but also what about X, Y, Z? Have you considered this, this, and this? And then that gets the wheels turning in their head that they can look at that question now and say, oh, okay, I never really thought about you know, these factors that influence me that may not have affected the other people, you know? So it's just trying to, you know, re everyone lives in their own reality to a certain degree. We're in the same world, 
But based on our own experiences, we all have different viewpoints on different things. So it's just I like to take what people give me and then see where their head is at and then try and ask them questions that will get them to think a little bit more objectively about it instead of more concretely. No, and I think that's that's a perfect way to put it because, okay, being a nutrition coach, I'm sure there's no possible way that you can tell you, you could come up with one thing that's just going to work for absolutely everybody. Like it's not going to happen. No. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always recognized uh, <laughs> by everybody. But okay, so here I'm, I'm curious about this because we're talking about the strongman and I'm, I, I love training for strongman, doing the same stuff. And now you're a 175 pound strongman. So you're definitely in the lighter classes. Like how does your nutrition and I'm not necessarily asking like, okay, what exactly do you eat? But what are you the principles really that you'll uh, abide by? And I want everybody to know this is under the context that, hey, you're probably training very heavy, very hard uh, day in, day out. And it's going to really have an impact on the, the types of foods and how much everything that you're eating. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it actually kind of depends on where I'm at in my, in my training cycle. Yeah, absolutely. What, what are my goals coming up? So if we kind of go back to this year, earlier this year, I was actually recovering from a knee injury. And so I was at, I was at a point where I was kind of just eating for maintenance. I wasn't necessarily trying to get like a lot bigger. I just wanted to make sure I was eating enough to just support my workouts and get healthy. And so I really wasn't concerned with how many calories I was taking in or a, a specific macronutrient split. My entire purpose was just I want to eat to make sure I have the nutrients that are going to support in my health and recovery. And I knew that, you know, I had an idea, you know, I've done this for a long time now. So I have a very good idea of based on how much volume of food I eat, you know, where I, I have a, I have a nice window of a, a range to maintain my current body weight, right? So I just know prioritize protein, veggies at meals, eat more carbs around my workouts, more carbohydrates on days I work out, you know, less when I don't, um, and that kind of stuff. And now if we fast forward, now I have to gain weight this off season. So now I'm very much like I know how many calories I need to take in and it's a job to get in the amount of food I have to get in right now. And I have very specific like targets that I need to hit every day. And so I'm kind of back to tracking a little bit and trying to figure out which food sources are, you know, right for me in terms of I have to get so much in and I want it to be high quality. And so it's just finding the time and making the you know, time for food prep and all that kind of stuff. So again, it's very con contextualized, but the principle of it is always I want to make sure first I get the nutrients that my body needs because if I'm not healthy and not supporting my basal metabolic functions and all that, then the rest is a moot point. So it all starts with the nutrient content and then from there it's more worry about you know calories and macronutrients in that point of view. And so I, I, I want to be clear then too, like when you're saying the, the nutrient content, you're talking about like all the vitamins, minerals, making sure you're just getting a high volume of, of those, uh, with like you said, just the highest quality foods that you can get. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just really focusing on, you know, what foods contain, you know, the micronutrients, the enzymes, all the things I need. So, you know, the, the core of my diet is, you know, a lot of, you know, meat, a lot of vegetables, a lot of whole foods, so to speak, right? A lot of you know, nutritious carbs, you know, rices and potatoes and just not processed foods, so to speak. You know, the only times I try to take in, 
you know, sugar or those types of things is around my workouts when I know that my muscles absolutely need some fast digesting, you know, nutrients to get in there and, and help with that weight gain process. Um, but yeah, from when I talk about nutrients, it's really about kind of that sliding scale of like which foods are really going to give me the most bang for my buck in terms of making sure that all my metabolic processes are needed or met, sorry. And now, will you modify that? I'm curious, not just necessarily with your training, uh, but I guess with the season, because the time we're talking here, like the days are getting really short. Uh, and this is something like I take into account, but I'm curious how you would do that either maybe with yourself or with your clients then too. Oh, sorry. I, I missed that last little bit. Oh, no, no, not a problem. So uh, I'm curious, like talking not necessarily about training, but uh, the seasonal changes, like we're getting into shorter days, like the time we're recording this, like it's getting shorter, like you're not going to maybe get outside as much. Like, do you, you take all of that into account with yourself, with your clients when, uh, thinking about that nutrient, uh, density of the foods? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this, this is a really hard time of the year and, you know, starting from, you know, the end of August, even until, you know, December, it's a really tough time of the year for a lot of people, given the seasonal changes, um, and, and, and if people aren't focused on their diet and getting those nutrients in, you know, people who, you know, depression can start to set in. Like there's a lot of stuff that I see with clients where, you know, they, they lose motivation. They're just, it's, you know, and it's, we really need to focus on things like vitamin D, for example, where you're not, you know, in summer it's plentiful. You get outside, you get it when, you know, if you live in the, in the Northern hemisphere, I mean, here in Canada, between like October and April, you know, you don't get vitamin D. You know, I drink a lot of milk. I, I, I eat a lot of foods that, you know, eggs, the yolk that has vitamin D in it. And I know that's not nearly enough. You know, we need the sun to get vitamin D. So I always take, you know, supplements. Supplements, you have to remember, are to supplement a healthy diet when you need them. You know, they're not to say, just I'm going to put this in because I just don't do that. It's like, no, let's get what we can get from Whole Foods and then we'll supplement. But vitamin D and vitamin C are the two that I really look at this time of the year where it's like, okay, what's happening with the diet? Let's make sure we, we have our fruits and veggies in there. You know, get that vitamin C in. Let's make sure that we start to supplement with vitamin D because you're not outside. You're not going to get that enough. And then that kind of stuff goes a really long way towards helping people stay on track, you know, mentally on that side of the game as well. Um, so yeah, the seasonal changes definitely, definitely do affect things. Um, and that's really, these are the times of the year when I do look towards, you know, that supplementing side of things, because that's when I feel it can really, really help. So you'd said earlier a little bit about, uh, food prep then too. So what does that maybe look like for you? I don't know if you do it weekly, biweekly, uh, and what are some of your just even favorite, uh, foods or recipes to really make, especially like where you're at right now, you said trying to put on a little bit more size then too. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm probably one of the most boring people in the world when it comes to food prep, um, just because it, in my mindset. So first of all, like I'm a single male, like I don't I don't live with other people. I do my own thing. So I'm I'm very much like a means to an end kind of guy. I'm like I know I need to. I want to stay healthy. I want to get strong, and I have my goals. So for me. Yeah, I'll go out with friends and I'll enjoy certain meals, but I don't sit at home and make these, you know, lavish, extravagant meals for myself. You know, it's when I'm in social settings that I really will sit and enjoy, but here it's a means to an end. And so for me, now that I'm trying to gain weight, I am food prepping, you know, three times a week, maybe four times a week. And it's really when I find the time. Um, and what that means for me is just really making the time to, you know, roast a few chickens uh, or, you know, just mass prepare a bunch of, of you know, grass-fed beef or 
uh, hard boiling 24 eggs in one fell swoop so they're in the fridge. Um, one of the biggest keys I find is that when I go to the grocery store, I buy my vegetables. When I get home, I make sure I like, chop them up or make them readily available in the fridge or else I, you know, I'm deterred from eating them because when I go to get a meal or maybe I'm on the go, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, okay, I need to take this head of broccoli out now and chop it up. And that, no, it's good when they're like the little things are just sitting in there ready to take and pick and eat, you know? So for me, it's kind of disjointed right now. I work with a lot of clients on working, you know, Sunday meal prep, for example, you know, a lot of people with families, um, and like getting the kids involved in it too, you know, making it more of a family affair. You know, there's lots of different strategies, but it's really about preparing or finding the time in your schedule, just like you would anything else. And that even goes, that's the same for meals as well. A lot of people eat on the go. I say, you know what, you have to set aside 30 minutes for that. You know, a lot of people come to me complaining that, they think they have food intolerances because they get so bloated when they eat X, Y, Z. And I say, well, do you do you you know eat your meals on the go a lot? Are you running around? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay, well, take this week to make time to eat. Suddenly the bloating's gone. Suddenly they feel so much better. You know, it's just those little things. It's about setting aside time in your calendar for what's actually important for you. If you block off some time for something, you will do it. If you don't block that time off, you won't. So, <laughs> for me, when I'm working with the clients, it's really about figuring out, okay. When do you, when are the things you have to do? When do you work? You know, like you can't meal prep within those hours. When do you have other weekly commitments? And then we just find little blocks where it's like, all right, you need to cook your meat here. When you do groceries, you need to chop your veggies up here. And it's all those things. So for me right now, it's kind of all over the place because I just have to consume so much food. <laughs> um, but typically if I'm in more of a relaxed state, then I will take on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, when it's most convenient, I'll take a chunk of time to, you know, cook up a lot of meat and keep it in the fridge and chop up my veggies and cook a bunch of rice or potatoes and have those in the fridge too. So it's just about making the time for it and then you're set for success. <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. If it's something that's important to you, you make the time. If you don't really care about what you're putting your into your body, then don't listen Correct. to our conversation right now because <laughs> it's, it's not going to be like flip of a switch. I mean, like you said, you may not be doing extravagant meals, but I'm sure everything still tastes pretty damn good. <laughs> like it's not that you have to put in, uh, an extra hour, an extra two hours. Like, no, it still is going to take some time, but you just do that. You can make everything simple, do it in bulk and you can be pretty set for a few days at least, if not more. Well, exactly. And I just, you know, like I, I use, I use lots of spices and herbs and like, I make it taste nice. No, it's not, you know, it's like not extravagant, but, but even talking about the macro or the, I'm sorry, the micronutrients, like that's going to be really important. Just throwing all those herbs and spices in too. Unbelievable. Exactly. It's like, exactly. Just throwing herbs on something, a little turmeric and this and that, like just getting like some good high quality, you know, nutrients that you wouldn't get otherwise. It's yeah. You can go a long way. So going off of this, cause one of the things uh, like I'd seen with some of your stuff too, is like sustainable health. And this sounds like we're even, even with the nutrition here and you could take this for other parts of health too, but what does that really look like for you? Like what is sustainable health maybe for yourself or for just is in a generality, what does that look like and how can people tweak that? Well, sustainability for me is it's really, it's about habits. It's about training yourself to do things every day. And then if you train them every day, then they're going to become habit and you're going to do them without thinking about it. And that can even go back to, to you know, taking it back to food prep where it's, you know, some people, they'll start a diet and they'll start off super, super well and then it'll all fall apart and they're like, ah, I just can't eat healthy. And then if you talk to them and you go back to their week and then you realize that maybe it's like 
you know, everything's a domino effect from our behaviors and our habits. And so if food prep falls off the table, then yeah, your, your, your eating habits and the nutrient quality of everything's probably going to fall off because you're going to eat out more and you're going to make decisions that you wouldn't have made otherwise. And so if you, you know, take it back a little bit and work on the habit of making time for your, your meal prep and all that, you get that back in check and then, you know, the, the confidence comes right back. It's like, wow, yeah, like if I have things prepared, I make good decisions. Like I can do this. So it's, it's, it's all about that kind of habit formation and, and just I like to bring that to the attention of my clients as well where it's, it's, not, it's not always like a hard pass, hard fail. You know, like humans, we, we make mistakes all the time, you know, and it's our ability to be resilient and say, okay, yeah, that didn't go well. Now I know I didn't, I didn't do that, right? So now I'm going to go back and I'm going to plan this properly and do it again and then do it again and then do it again and then eventually it's just that's what you do. You know, and, and again, it comes back to what's important to you. You know, it's like, again, checking your core values, checking your why. You know, I always say that. What's your why? Why are you doing this? You know, be honest with yourself. And, and then it, it all kind of stems from that. So in terms of sustainable health, it's really just about making a commitment to say, okay, those are my goals. This is really what I want to accomplish. This is what's important to me. And, and then kind of backtracking from there and saying, okay, where are my limiting factors? You know, what's preventing me necessarily from getting there? And then working on, you know, daily setting reminders for yourself in your calendar every day to say, you know, I need a food prep or maybe it's to drink water, you know, make drink more water, set an alarm every hour on the hour. All right, I need to drink water. You know, it's, it's those little things of just hammering home those habits so that it's natural to do what you want to accomplish. So... When you're talking about it in there, I'm, I'm curious then, what is your why right now for really all that you're setting out to accomplish? Uh, you know, I, there's different things. Like I have my own personal goals, like just little things that make me tick, like, you know, winning worlds. You know, I want to be the strongest man in the world in my weight class. Like that's, that's just me. That's a personal goal. That's something that it drives me. You know, it, it's, that's my why in terms of like, why am I getting, making sure I get my sleep? Why am I making sure I do my food prep? Why am I making sure I eat right? Why am I doing all these things? It's because I really want to accomplish that. You know, it keeps me driven. It keeps me organized. It sets the structure for everything else I have in life. And I'm well aware that, you know, I can train for a year and go to that competition and win. And then, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> That's a good know, point though. It really is. Yeah. It's really completely meaningless, fleeting goal, but it's something that gives my life structure and keeps me on track for kind of everything else I want to accomplish. Oh, sorry about that. And, uh, just in terms of uh, my professional why or my big picture why, you know, I don't have to, like, I, I'm a nutrition coach and, you know, I, I try and write a lot and I try and get a good message out there and there's a lot of things I try and do and really my why is because I want, I want to help everyone out there kind of just be better and be healthier and live a better life and just kind of have the things that, you know, if they come to me and they're really struggling with stuff, I, I just want to help them really overcome those, those obstacles and a lot of that is really just mental and the beliefs in themselves and those kind of things. And, and my why is just I want to reach as many people as possible and help them realize that like we all think things are super, super hard. But if you remember your why and why you're doing things, everything becomes really clear and really easy. you know. And so it's just kind of trying to get that message out there and, and reach as many people as I can to kind of show them that we can do this and it's possible and it's, it's very much within reach. 
So, Dane, how about if you wouldn't mind even sharing, what are some of your biggest obstacles uh, to come overcoming your why for, again, like you said, being the strongest in your weight class or, hey, reaching the most people with your message? Uh, I mean, <laughs> in terms of my personal why and, like, becoming the strongest man, it, it that's – right now it's – it's funny because I was talking. I was at my. I had an osteopath appointment yesterday to kind of tune my body up and that kind of stuff. And it's it's a tightrope at this point. I'm I'm kind of at my genetic potential in terms of strength. Um, I've just recovered from a big knee injury and I've I've repaired or rebuilt a lot of my movement patterns. I move a lot better now. I feel a lot better. I'm not getting hurt as much. But you know, I had a knee problem and then the knee problem became a hip problem. Now the hip problem became a T spine problem. Now a shoulder problem. Now an elbow problem. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's kind of gone up the chain, um, and so now it's it's just a matter of kind of trying to get in all the training I need to get in, along with all the soft tissue and mobility work, and do as much strength as possible without going too far overboard and hurting my body, and then kind of having to take you know two steps back after one step forward. So it's it's my battle right now is is just really finding that balance and continuing to work on all the little things that are going to keep my body heading the right direction, so I don't have any big setbacks anymore. That's that's the big thing for me. It's just that I know if I do the right things, I'm hundred percent going to win. Like that's, it is it is what it is. There, it's just I have to make sure I keep my body healthy and going the right direction. So that's that's the big thing. There is just you know walking that tightrope for me personally. Um, and then the next thing is you know reaching more people. How do you do that? Well, you do podcasts like this, Nick. <laughs> you know, you I I, I write articles. I, I do I do as much as I can within the time that I have to try and reach a broader audience. But that's that's the big key is how do you reach as many people as possible in the time that you have, right? And so it's just about trying to, like you said, I, I try and get my articles out there. I try and you know, speak to people like you. I try and pass it on to my clients. I'm working with a fitness company here in Toronto who has a very big audience in terms of all the personal trainers in Canada and, and trying to affect them in that population. You know, it's, it's just finding these different means to reach as many people as possible and to to get the message out there that I'm not trying to sell you anything. You know, like which is a big problem within the fitness industry is that everyone everyone has a product they want you to buy or or they they want you to think that they're a big guru and they know everything and like they want to be praised and it's like everyone's kind of on edge about that when you start talking about health and fitness and those things. They think there's a catch to everything. And so it's kind of overcoming that as well just Trying to present, you know, like, hey, I I know some stuff, but the more I know, the less I know. You know, think, it, the world is dynamic. There's always new research coming out. There's always new, you know, new content coming out for people, and so it's it's overcoming that look that people take. They want the best diet. They want the answer now. They want results now. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm not a I'm not a demigod. Like I don't I I can't just right now snap my fingers and make you lose ten pounds. You know, I can't just transport you to your goals but it's so it's breaking down these kind of barriers and just having people believe that you know even if I don't, if I don't have the answers now hey man I'm going to help you find those answers for you and for what you want and it's so there's a lot of I find obstacles within the health and fitness industry um, and it's you know those are hard to overcome <laughs> well getting on to even a little bit of your writing uh, is there are there any favorite articles you've written or even just maybe most impactful ones that you think you've shared with everybody? Oh, goodness. Great question. <laughs> um, I've written a lot of articles. Um, I'm honestly, I, I don't think I can pick one off the top of my head right now. 
Um, How about maybe anything that you're working on that uh, you're really excited to uh, share with everybody? Uh, well, right now I know I'm working on some stuff that uh, it's it's basically trying to break down for people how metabolism actually works, <laughs> um, which is it's complicated and hard to explain. But you know, a lot of people now are all about you know let's just cut out all the carbs and do a lot of high intensity, and then like we're obviously going to lose weight because it's just math, right? <laughs> and so it's it's just basically trying to break through that concept right there in and of itself where it's just again trying to get people to think more objectively of like okay why are you doing this like I understand you say okay if I'm going to take carbs out you're going to take carbs out and you think carbs are bad because well there's extra calories and they're going to spike insulin a lot and so I'm never going to lose weight so carbs come out so that's your why but people don't think of the downstream effect of doing those things as well like people don't consider you know, how low is too low in terms of calories and what can that do long term? They don't think about, you know, what what can happen if you do, you know, blunt your insulin response for an extended period of time and, and you know, what does that do to the metabolism? You know, what, like, what, what are all these things? Like what happens to the body when you're completely depleted of carbs and you do a lot of high intensity exercise all the time? Well, then what happens to the body, right? So it's it's just taking what people think is going on and then saying, okay, cool, yeah, like that makes logical, total sense. However, <laughs> the human body does this when this happens as well. And over time, this is what will happen. And that is why you need to think long and hard about your context <laughs> and what your life is and why, what you should be doing for your individual goals kind of thing, right? So right now, that's one thing I'm really working on. And it's taking me a bit of time because it's – kind of complicated but and you need to make it not complicated you know you need to make it very easy to understand so it's 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 a work in progress right now and it'll probably be a series of of articles no and dan i appreciate that because a lot of times any one of the macronutrients just gets vilified oh yeah there's going to be oh there's this high carb phase and this high protein phase and this high like fat phase and like it just keeps cycling through like you look back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like every decade, it's just something new. Something's changing. Like there's a reason we kind of need all of them. Like everybody goes about like, well, there are no essential carbohydrates. And while I agree with that singular statement, as you said, carbohydrates still play so many vital roles in the body, especially depending on the context of your training, your sleep, I mean, so on and so forth. So everybody make sure, uh, keep an eye out for something like this. Cause this this is very important to understand. <laughs> and actually, that kind of takes me – some of the stuff that I've written that probably are some of my favorites. I did do a three-piece kind of series on, for the Huffington Post on you know, what's the best diet and kind of broke down you know, what are proteins and why are they important? What are fats? Why are they important? What are carbs and why are they important? And just to kind of take you – know, okay, you want to go low-carb? Cool. But this is what's going to happen. And these are high-carb? Okay, well, take those out and this is what's going to happen and kind of just – that was a big kind of jumping off point for just like they were just objective articles just saying, okay, objectively, this is, this is what this does. And if you go this route, this is what could happen. And really who are you? What's your context? That's how you find your best diet. I can't just say, Hey, everyone go low carb. It's going to be great. That's all. That's just not true. Like it's not going to work out. Um, so those articles were definitely, you know, definitely a series. That's definitely one of my favorites. And I think had a lot of value for people. Um, and it's, it's funny that, you, you know, I, I, I have in the past absolutely. And I said, people make mistakes and you got to own them up, man. 
I've definitely said that in the past where it's like, well, there are no essential carbs, so you might as well just, you know, you don't need carbs to live, which is technically true. (laughs) But but does that, I mean, (laughs) you can live without them, but what's, are you going to live optimally? Probably not, you know? And so, and that's been a big part of my journey too. You know, I've been through in, in the mindset of, oh, there's got to be one guy that works for everyone. And I, at one point, was so sold on low-carb being that thing, you know? And then you start working with people and realizing, ha, well, that is a big farce. <laughs> and then you start to think about why. And then you you realize, you know, it's when when you can finally take an objective look at, of, at something without having, a you know, an, an answer that's already in your head – then that's when you have the chance. That's that's when you first get the chance to try and find what's right for you. Dan, there's a lot that we've been talking about here, and I'm curious about certain maybe daily routines that you might have uh, because you seem to be very open to things, which is awesome, but yet you're very set at the same time. Like you have like this true understanding like for yourself, for what you're doing, like, hey, on that right path. Like I'm curious if you use maybe like any mindfulness meditation techniques or, and, or also how do you get your mind right, uh, around all the heavy lifting that you do then too? Uh, yeah, it's really funny because even go, let's go back two years ago and I was again, like training for worlds, you know, just trying to get as strong as possible, doing my thing, thinking I kind of had it all figured out, like ready to rock. And then, you know, the knee goes to crap and I'm like, "Ah, how did that happen? You know? And, uh, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and then, okay, I, I had to get my knee repaired, had some stem cells thrown in there to try and fix up the problem, which it did. And it worked. And that's phenomenal. Obviously I was happy with that. But then I get to a point where it's like, okay, now I can't lift. Now what am I going to do? I, I've got all this rehab. And then it's also, how did this happen to me? What happened to my knee? It wasn't, it wasn't one acute thing. I still don't know precisely why that tear was there. My, you know, I'm inclined to believe that it was because I had really poor movement patterns. And I think I was just moving that tendon in the wrong way way too much. Um, so I had to start doing some stuff that was going to repair, you know, that, that issue. So I, I employed a, a movement coach to start working with me. And I started doing a lot of like body weight, ground-based movements, a lot, of, a lot of closed chain movements. So what we do in the gym is all open chain. You know, your feet are on the ground, for example, and your hands are on a barbell. You know, you're putting it into the air. That's a that's a that's an open chain movement. You know, a closed chain movement is when you know you have like feet and hands on the ground. You know, you're you're grounded. That's a closed chain movement, and it allows for different, you know, to mobilize and stabilize different joints through different range of motions that you can't with you know the use of a barbell, for example. And so I started doing a lot of animal flow. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, actually, I just uh, somebody I just had on the show was talking about how they've been implementing a lot of animal flow work into their uh, just daily training, just movement patterns as well. Yeah, exactly. And and this is not to say that again, it's not to say that animal flow was like the be all end all in terms of closed chain movement. There's a lot of different practices out there where you can get this kind of effect. That's just the modality that I was introduced to and am now very much into. Um, and at the time, <laughs> you know, I'm a strong man <laughs> and had me doing all these weird things like crawling around on the ground and doing these weird movements on the ground. And I can't even, I can't even express how much that animal flow itself has helped my overall health and, and quality of movements and has positioned me to 
you know, I think it's it's raised the the base the 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 ceiling of strength that I had because I now have different stability and mobility throughout my body that I didn't have before. Um, so I really think that it's helped me there, and now I'm starting to elicit that strength now that I'm getting stronger, now that my movement patterns are better. Um, so this is just kind of a roundabout way of saying, you know, I thought I had it all figured. I thought I had my thing. Now I do animal flow every day. You know, a lot of times when I wake up, I just I get out of bed and get right on the ground <laughs> and just, you know, get into a crab position. You know, just open up my shoulders, kind of do a body scan just to see, okay, what's tight today? Like, how did I sleep? What's going on? And it just kind of, you know, gets my body moving, gets my gets my blood flowing, gets me, you know, when you wake up, the worst thing you can do is just kind of lay in bed, hit the snooze button, read your phone. It, you know, you're it, you, that just starts you on a such a dulled way to start your day. You know, your cortisol response is not going to be great if you just start keep laying there. You want to get up and get moving. You know, cortisol is a good thing first thing in the morning, just so everybody understands that that's supposed yeah. to be there. Yeah, that's where you want it. You want that. Hey, man, a cortisol spike should spike in the morning, and that's what wakes you up. If you have a good cortisol spike, you don't need coffee. <laughs> As much as I still like coffee and love coffee. <laughs> um, but cortisol is a, is a great thing to have in the morning. That's what you want. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to that, you know, it's a, this animal flow is, is a big thing, the body weight movement that I've really incorporated and really helped open my mind to say, yeah, I'm a strength athlete. You know, I'm one of those guys who picks up cars and carries rocks around and that. And yet, it, at warm ups now at these strongman competitions, I'm the guy who's like on the ground doing these like spins and like little flips and all this kind of stuff, trying to get my body moving the right way. And people are like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then I go and smash everyone. And they're like, what? <laughs> what? This guy? So it's just, again, keep an open mind. What can help? You know, don't be afraid to look silly doing something. If that's what helps you, do it. You know, it's like the, the proof will be in the pudding. So that's one a big thing. Like every day that, that keeps me on track just knowing I have that animal full in my back pocket anytime I'm feeling tight or tense or whatever. Just getting on the ground and kind of getting in touch with my body and, and going from there. I'm really – I'm not much for meditation and, and mindfulness and those things. Those are not things I have really gotten into so to speak. But at the same time, I know – how to find my my zen place you know to when i need to lift weights like i know how to focus myself and that's just through years of practice and repetition and you know understanding that there are different levels of arousal and you can be you can easily be overhyped for a lift and that will cause you to miss that lift you know you have to be in a perfect range of arousal to actually be able to do what you want to do properly and it just it takes time and you know, I don't, I, like I said, I wouldn't say I meditate, but at the same time, I do know if you give me a minute, I know how to get into my place <laughs> where I can lift a heavy weight. Yeah. And, and that's, I think a very underrated, uh, uh, aspect of mindfulness, if you will, because if you, like you said, are either under or over amped or whatever the word is for anybody, I guess, like you're screwed under a bone, bone crushing weight. Like it is oh, yeah. going to crush you flat yeah. out. So you have to be able to be laser like with that focus. Like there are a few things, uh, that can really zero somebody in, uh, like a very heavy weight does. And I think that's what I'm, I'm a big fan of just moving meditations because they allow you just to be present. Your, your breath is fully there and you are just all in on what you're about to partake in. Yeah, Absolutely. So going back to even some of, like you said, you change your movement patterns, you learn some of that. What were some of the uh, 
I guess things that you gave your body, maybe whether it's nutrients or otherwise to really allow it to heal. I know you talked on like the stem cells a little bit, but are there any other things that really came into play for you? Uh, you know, <laughs> what's really actually quite funny is, uh, when I went, so the procedure that I had done was done at a private clinic here in Toronto. And what they had to do was they had to tap into my iliac crest into my pelvis there to, to extract bone marrow, which is where the stem cells are. <laughs> and then, and then inject that into my knee. And so this is a process that they, they pick that, that, that little part of your, of your bone because it's nice and flat and it's generally pretty, pretty easy to get through. It's like a, usually a pretty thin area. And so this is a procedure where they usually just, they take this little screw and they just turn it and it will go into your bone. No problem. No issues. So with me though, they, you know, they got it in place and they're like, okay, this is pretty tough. So then they had to put a little nail in and start tapping on the nail to kind of get in deeper, which they proceeded to do for 20 minutes because my bone was so thick and, and like they had to stop several times in the procedure and be like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I've never, ever experienced bone this thick. Like this is, this is crazy. Like who is this guy? It's insane. And so I attribute that to, again, I, I supplement a lot with vitamin D. I get my sun, I eat vitamin D rich foods and other foods, you know, like get my calcium from leafy greens and those sources. And, and so to me, like my bone density is out of control good. <laughs> but also and, the heavy loads that you're putting yourself on there too. Heavy loads, right? So through resistance training and then through, again, giving my body the proper nutrients to recover from that, that has, I mean, the proof was just in the pudding when I had this procedure. Like he was like, honestly, <laughs> that, was, that was like an inch thicker than it should have been, he said. So for me, I know that was just, a, you know, it's telling me that I'm doing the right stuff. You know, my bone density is fantastic. And so when I was recovering from everything, I was very, very diligent about making sure that, you know, I was taking in, you know, super compensating with vitamin D, vitamin C, the things that are going to help my bone and tissues recover as much, you know, making sure that I eat, you know, citrus with my leafy greens to make sure my iron gets up. You take the, you know, like, cause I used to have an iron problem as well. So there's a, all these little pieces where again, the first thing is, okay, nutrient, density? Am I getting the nutrients that I need to support this healing? And then from there, it's again, protein is probably the next thing I was super concerned about, making sure I had every day over one gram of protein per pound of body weight, just to make sure that my amino acid pool was constantly being turned over, trying to eat protein every three hours, doing all the right things for that. Um, and then making sure that I had an appropriate amount of carbohydrates as well, because that's going to stimulate, you know, say the proper insulin response, the proper uptake of nutrients, all of that. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but it was always making sure, starting with that nutrient piece, how do I make sure I get those in and then let's go from there. So I'm curious to hear what you will say about this then too, because uh, I, I have a feeling I know where you might go, but <laughs> no, it, it's an important thing I think to touch on. Um, you said like having some of the protein every three hours or so, and there's still this whole other intermittent fasting uh, that's big right now, I guess, if you will. Would you mind sharing like, what are your feelings on one versus another? What's What's also awesome is like another article that it's a, it's, just, it's probably just going to be a blog post, and I, I really hope to get it up within the next week or so. Is going to be on intermittent fasting. Oh, okay, great. Um, and and how how angry I am <laughs> about, <laughs> about how how the media is often reporting on intermittent fasting because I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming out right now about how it's it's like this crazy great new thing that like 
you you're gonna lose all this weight and it's so phenomenal and I'm so sorry but the way that media is coming out and like writing a lot of these articles is really basically just saying hey don't eat you're gonna lose weight right which makes me so super angry because there are a lot of people out there who have trouble with food already and they already think that restricting is the answer and it's what is already making them sicker and now they're gonna go and see something like this and say well science says I just shouldn't eat and intermittent fasting can be absolutely fantastic under the if you have all the other stuff figured out there's so many other blocks you have to have in place for it to be <laughs> it's so crazy and and none of that is being reported on so Intermittent fasting, we can touch that in a bit, but <laughs> if you, I mean, it's the literature is pretty clear at this point in regards to maximizing muscle protein synthesis, and there's two major factors, and it's one is eating regular intervals of protein, so at least 20 grams of protein every three-ish hours, and then getting enough protein in every day. So if I'm 175 pounds, I want to make sure I get at least 175 grams of protein every day and eat it every three hours. If I'm doing those things, I know I'm doing what I can do to make sure I'm stimulating my, my, my amino acid pool is full, it's turning over, I'm giving my body what it needs to build muscle as effectively as possible. So, and again, this is a very contextualized discussion. So if, first of all, what's your goal? If your goal is fat loss, then you can throw out what I just said. Like, yeah, it's going to be important for to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. synthesis? I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be important to do that. But if fat loss is your main goal, then you should not be concerned primarily with the anabolic issue of building muscle. You know, you want to you know maintain muscle. Muscle is very important. Muscle burns fat. But if you're going for fat loss, then yeah, you're going to want to start considering, you know, things like intermittent fasting or, you know, how do I burn more body fat? Well, you burn more body fat by making sure that, you know, you're, you don't constantly have food in your system. Eating is anabolic. So if you want to burn fat, eating a bit less is probably a pretty good approach. So again, what's your context? Intermittent fasting absolutely has a place and can be done responsibly and can work for people. But you first, again, have to start with what is your context? And I think that comes back to asking the right question again, finding out That's what your why that. is. It, it yeah. really does come full circle. And yeah, you gave the answer that I, I was... Uh, basically expecting, but I still wanted to hear uh, your <laughs> thoughts on it because you no, know, some people, like you said, they're so dogmatic about some of these things, but yeah, there's it, basically, it comes down to just about any diet works. It, yep. it, it all depends on what it's for, what you're doing it for. Everybody has to learn that part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's just it. We just, we live in such a, you know, a culture where it's, you know, results now and you know, you just, what you believe has a big effect too. If you believe something's absolutely going to work, then it has a much better chance of working. <laughs> you know, sometimes they'll start working with people and I'll explain why we're trying to, you know, why we should do X, Y, Z instead. But if they're still so locked into the mindset of, oh, well, I've been doing this, this is what has to work, then no matter what we work on, they're still going to be stuck because they're going to be so stressed out and anxious over what they're doing and they, just, they don't believe in it. So their cortisol's through the roof because they just don't believe in anything that's going on, and they don't really give themselves a chance to try something new. They're they're so locked up in that fixed mindset. So again, it just goes back to <laughs> the mindset again. So Dan, I'm curious, who would maybe be like five people in your personal mastermind that you would just love to be able to bounce questions off all the time? This could be whether they are 
dead, alive, doesn't really matter, but ones that you would always want to have kind of on speed dial there to check in on. <laughs> Oi, that's, that's tough. <laughs> you know, I, I have, uh, I have a friend here in Toronto. Her name is Freya Spence. Um, and, and I do have her, she's my movement coach and she, she will always be number one on that speed dial because she, she gets it. You know, she will say, she'll always be able to take a step back and say, okay, let's consider X, Y, Z, you know? Um, so she would probably be number one on that speed dial. Um, man, there's been so many smart people throughout the years that I, I'm not sure where I would even start with that. I'd probably, I'd probably throw my grandfather in there. Um, who I honestly never really got a chance to fully know. And that's probably why I would put him there because everyone always spoke so, so highly of him. Um, and I never got to meet the man. And I just feel like I would really, I feel like he was the type of person who he would also be able to just contextualize everything and just kind of calm everything down and take a real objective look at things. Um, and so I think that he would be a very, very interesting person to have on there too. Um, and then I'd probably go way, way back and go like, you know, I would probably, this is random as well, but Ayn Rand, I would probably want her there. <laughs> and then I'd probably go way, way back and, and maybe go for some of the old philosophers. Um, just cause I think they were probably some of the, you know, the Socrates and those guys, just cause I think that would be, you know, it's like, wow, you're way smarter than me. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious then, have you, uh, have you read, uh, Atlas Shrugged or any, any other work by Ayn Rand or Socrates <laughs> or anybody? But of course, Ayn Rand, yes, yes. Atlas Shrugged is, yeah. I mean, if there's if there's a book that I think any every single person should read, it, I always say Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged is always number one on my list. Really? So I'm I'm curious. Yeah, what what is it about Atlas Shrugged that has maybe just had such a profound impact on you? And people always ask that. They're like, "Why that book? Why what?" Because <laughs> it's 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 a massive book. First of all, like this isn't just oh, a a, a quick uh, quick read for anybody. <laughs> No, and that's the thing. And I explain that to people. I'm like, okay, so if you start reading this, like you really have to really commit yourself to the first like two, three hundred pages of tiny baby print because it's a little slow. And then but then you won't be able to put it down over the next thousand pages. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's one of those kind of books, right? And and so when going into that book, I really didn't know what I was getting into. That was actually the first Iron Rand book I read. Um, I was, it was just so highly recommended by two people who I had a lot of respect for. So I was like, all right, let's get this shot. And, uh, it, and it was just one of those things that it just, it actually changed the way that I, you know, kind of thought about things. Like it gave me a more objective, you know, mindset, you know, it, it's, and people are like, what? And I'm like, it's, you know, it's a better train mogul. And it, you know, you know, it's they're trying, like, what is it about? I'm like, well, it's, it's about a lot of stuff, you know. It's really hard to explain it in a nutshell, and but but what I got out of it was really just that the it was it's all about mindset, right? It's all about mindset, and it's that you can be you can be selfish and also be extremely selfless, and that you cannot be completely selfless without first being selfish and taking care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself first, you are useless to everyone else. And I think that's the big, big message that I pulled from that randomly. But it's that, it's that you gotta look after number one. And if you look after number one, you can help so many people. But you can't do that without looking after yourself first. And it's okay to have that, that selfishness, the virtue of selfishness. You know, like it's, it's, it's very important. So I think that's really what I took from that. I think that's such an under, uh, underappreciated uh, thing, if you will, where just that selfishness 
uh, for people because it's always, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And people list off 10 different things. Not mm-hmm. one of them is for themselves though, unfortunately. Yeah. It's it's really tough because, and I'm looking at it from the aspect of health, uh, which I do with a lot of things. But again, if you're trying to make help other people with their health all the time, but neglecting your own, well, you're only going to be able to help them out for maybe a year, maybe five years. And, and then what? You're just going to be so broken down that you're no longer able to. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. And I, and I have, I find so many clients where they come to me to help improve their health and to lose weight and do those things. But they're so burnt out from their professional and or social lives that they don't, they, they don't even have the energy to commit to trying to like change their habits that are going to be good for their health. And, and so one of the big things that I find I'm always doing with clients is really helping them find counterbalance. You know, balance is it's an interesting word, but I always talk about counterbalance because we're always being taken out of balance. Balance is a thing that we are never within, you know, and so we're always, you know, just too much work or there's these social – or there's the kids or there's all these other things that are, you know, obligations you have that pull you out of center. And so I like to try and help people find the stuff that can pull them back into center. You know, if you if you want to relate that to to health and fitness, it's the central nervous system with the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic nervous system. And if that's out of whack, you're you're done. You're done. You know, fitness is two parts. It's the actual physical output, and then it's the recovery. And if you don't have both of those in sync, you're done. It does, it doesn't matter which way they're out of sync. If you're too lazy, that's a problem. But if you're overdoing it, that's a problem. You have to keep that that pendulum. You want to keep it as close to center as possible, as much as you can, because it's always trying to swing it one direction or another. That's life. That's what life does. And so it's finding those strategies that's going to keep that pendulum as close to the middle as possible, because sometimes you see it swing way out to the side, and sometimes when it swings way out to the side, people actually take even the wrong approach to that, where it's, you know, you're so stressed out, oh, I need to exercise more, oh, I need to eat less, you know, and it just makes it worse, and it's like, no, 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 no. Bring it back in. Stop exercising. Eat more. Sleep. <laughs> you know, it's let's relax. Let's bring it back to try and get some balance. You know, and so I find that that's a real big part of what I do. It's not just telling, you know, helping people figure out what they need to eat, but it's saying, okay, well, you're doing. I see in your schedule you've got X, Y, Z. Like, okay, so on this day when you're planning to work out, take a nap instead, because <laughs> you're going to get so much more value from just relaxing than you are from trying to go in and do, you know, a workout. So it's, it's just trying to give people that look as well, where they think more is always better. And that is far from the truth. Uh, unless it comes to uh, maybe a nap or two or some extra sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's honestly hard to get too much sleep. <laughs> and it really is because your body's just going to wake up and regulate itself. But other yep. than that, you're in control of most other things then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Dan, I'm curious, uh, any other uh, really good book recommendations, anything that you've read recently or just are currently reading? Uh, my articles, read them all. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a great answer. <laughs> oh, and, and, and that's what's funny, Nick. Like I've, I've really found – I've really fallen out of, um, out of my reading routine just because now whenever I find the time, I'm just trying to write as much as I can. Um, so what I'm, what I'm reading is, you know, you know – articles or research papers online and that kind of stuff to try and, you know, find the new research to share with people. Um, if there's, there's one book right now that kind of jumps off, off my head right now. Um, it's the one thing. Great book. Yeah. So I don't know if people have read that, but, and again, it's just to give people a little bit of perspective, right? 
and and it it will change if you if your mindset is kind of out of balance <laughs> it's going to help you kind of take a bit more of an objective look and say wow I do kind of need to slow things down or wow I am I am kind of just firing off aimlessly like where is my focus you know it it helps you find that focus and should people read this book I will always also tell them read it one chapter at a time and then put it down read a chapter let it soak in put it down then next night read another chapter and they're very short chapters so it might take you five minutes to read a chapter but soak it in like think about what that means for you you know it's it's a book where you have to go in and you have to understand that it's going to challenge your mindset and so give it a chance and if you get through it and do it bit by bit and actually think about how that can apply to you you're gonna come out of reading that book with a, a lot of clarity which is very nice yeah it's that's actually one of the books I read pretty much every year uh, since it's been out um, yeah. just because it, and I think this is the case with probably anything that we read that we pick up more things from it but it's given me one of the most uh, practical uh, guides to really refining my focus yeah. really in any part of life. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's just a book where I, you know, it was recommended by somebody and yeah, it really opened my eyes. It was really, really a great book. Yeah. One of the other things I think you said in there that I find to actually be very important is you said you, you've maybe not slowed down your reading practice, but changed it in a, in a form to really uh, work on something that you're going to uh, put out to be able to express then in a blog, in an article, uh, whatever it may be. And I think that people need to understand, like you have to accumulate a broad base uh, before you're going to start throwing things out there like that. Like you've probably read, listened to, watched, studied like so much different material on just and if we're taking it specifically towards nutrition or uh, lifting just with the strong man, like you've probably taken in so much and you've tried every single thing or you just automatically like knew the bullshit meter like just came up on certain things and you were able to dispel it. But now you continue to refine that, continue to refine that and now have that uh, own uh, spin on things to share. Uh, all these things that you've learned, you can take it and now you can put it into context for other people to amass all of that knowledge that you've put in there and you can uh, put it so much more succinctly for them to succinctly for them to take into uh, their own practice. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a thing, you know, like I'm, I'm not a genius, <laughs> you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I make mistakes. I've said things in the past that, you know, like right now I'll go back and say, ah, you know, at, at the time I fully believed in that, but it was a belief. It wasn't a fact, you know, and, 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 and so for me, it's, I'm a really good communicator and I know I'm a good communicator and I'm, I have a very good objective mindset of things. And I, I'm, I'm good at kind of breaking things down for people. And so I've been told that lots of times. I fully believe in that. And so that's why I do love writing because I feel like that's an excellent medium for me to reach a lot of people because there's a lot of stuff out there that is hard to read. Or it's not clear and I want to kind of get out there and say okay here's what's floating around the internet now let's let's take it and kind of condense it and take an objective look on it you know and when I started man I just started writing a blog I don't know four or five years ago now just because I was I was fed up I was fed up with people always asking me these questions that 
I mean, I knew the answer they were looking for and it was just not right and there were bad articles out there. And so I just started writing one day. Uh, there was no more plan than that. I didn't know where it would go. And it just, you know, that it made me research more. It made me read more. It made me be better, you know? And then I realized like, wow, I can help others be better. You know, like the, the information's there. It's just, I can sift through it for people and kind of present it in a clearer fashion. And that's kind of what I tried to do. And it's what I still try and do today. And that's, that's a beautiful way to do it. You, you, you're doing the writing. It's what works for you. You know, you can communicate it well. So you got to, got to go forward and share what you can. That's, that's the idea, man. And that's, it's the least I can do. <laughs> so Dane, a couple of last questions here. One of the last things I always ask people who come on the show is who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what would you either want to ask them specifically or just hear them talk about? Whew, man. <laughs> That's a really good question. <sighs> Who would I want to hear on this show? You know, I might actually want to hear from, uh, just because I'm in the strongman sport, <laughs> I would probably want to hear from like Half Thor or, you know, Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall, I think, would be a really interesting guy. For those of you who don't know Eddie Hall, he's uh, – UK's strongest man. He's an absolute monster. He's deadlifted over a thousand pounds. He's, you know, log press 500 pounds. Like he's a monster. But I mean, like five years ago, he was, he was like 230 pounds. You know, like he decided one day that he wanted to be the strongest man in the world and people laughed at him, you know? And he's like, no, no, I'm going to get there. And he is incredibly strong now. And I just think he would be like, just knowing more about his journey would be incredibly interesting, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, I like how you said that it was one of those. Yeah. He was, he, he's been doing well for a few years, but then just, there's almost like you see this meteoric rise and you don't see all of the hard work that went into it. So learning maybe yeah. more about that background then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Dane, in closing then, where can the listeners and, and myself even go to find out more about you and what can we help you with right now? Uh, well, everything that I write, everything that I put out is found on my website at danewallace.com. Um, so that's probably the best place to, to find anything about me. Um, and again, I want to make it very clear, like, I'm not, I'm not a guy who's trying to be out there making a name for myself. Um, in, in hindsight, I'm almost like, eh, danewallace.com, that uh, should have been named something else. But, <laughs> you know, because I'm not out there trying to be like, I know everything, like, this is me, like, it's which is found too often in the fitness industry. Um, so for me, it's what people can help me with is actually trying to be as objective as possible. Just in your day to day lives, when you see an article, like don't like like read it, but read it with an objective mind. If somebody's talking about why something's so great or why it works and all the good things about it, take it, take it in, accept that, but then ask yourself, okay, does that apply to me though? Like do, like. All those good things that were just said about it, you know, are there any gaps missing in that? You know, like what if, what if, is it about males? Am I a female? Is it for weight loss or is it for muscle gain? You know, is it for health or is it for strength? You know, is it for endurance athletes or strength athletes? You know, go about all the information out there. There's a lot of good stuff, but out of context, it's horrible and can do more damage for you than good. And so that's really my big message to people. And it's great that I can get that message to people who read my articles and who I work with, 
But for anybody listening to this, like that's, I just implore you, if you want to get your best results, the best thing you can do is just try and open your mind and ask the right questions to get the right answers. Don't look for the answer. Look for the question and you'll find the answer. Dane, that was, that was amazingly well put. Everybody make sure, go out over uh, danewallace.com, checking out all these articles, everything that's out there. But again, as he said, I think ask the right question and you're going to be finding the articles or whatever it may be that you really need uh, for your health journey right now. Absolutely. Dane, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, this has been a blast talking today. All right. Thanks a lot, Nick. I really appreciate the time, man. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.